Welcome to Real Football Matters Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about all things underneath the football pyramid. So grassroots football all the way up to non-league football. We'll be having some great guests on, talking about their passion for the game, why they got involved, how they got involved, hopefully some funny stories, things that will make you smile along the way. But more importantly, it's about the people. The people that, that, that feel football is their passion, is their uh, go-to escape, is their thing that they look forward to, that they work all week for the weekend, looking forward to it. That's, they're the sort of people we want on the show. We're hearing from lots, lots of people like that. My name's Peter Gray. I'm the host of the podcast. I'm a chairman of a uh, amateur football club uh, from grassroots kids teams all the way up to uh, an open edge team. Lots of friends and, and contacts in the non-league game too. So we'll be hearing from all those sort of people. Um, hopefully you'll enjoy it. Hopefully you'll keep tuning in and telling other people about it. Enjoy the podcast. This week's guest is Craig Jones. Craig Jones is the current manager of Turton Football Club, which of course is my club. Um, I'm his chairman, I gave him the job, so I know Craig very, very well. Um, So hopefully it was a nice, comfy chat amongst two friends to get the podcast going. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, Craig Jones, Turton FC manager, first team manager. Nice, comfy start for me to ease myself into the world of podcasting um, to bring somebody that I know well um, and is a good friend as well now. So, uh, welcome, Craig. Thank you. Welcome. Um, so, yeah, this is the first podcast of, of what hopefully will be a, uh, a long uh, series of podcasts. Um, hopefully, we'll start improving the the equipment that we've got for doing it and stuff and the sound will be better but this this for the listeners hopefully this is good enough to get us get us going so i just want to share some some stories with with craig um craig share some stories with us about his journey in in grassroots football in in amateur football in semi-pro football because um, he's been involved in, in quite a lot so craig tell us about how you got involved in sort of football it was it- Crackers, really, because I didn't start playing myself properly um, in a proper team, if, if you'd like, until till I was in my first year at high school. Which now nowadays that's relatively late, isn't it? When you, you know, when you see all these kids knocking a ball around at three, four year old. I mean, don't get me wrong. We were, uh, you know, me and my brothers. We were out on the field from eight o'clock in the morning till eight o'clock at night during the summer holidays, and you know, football was just it was just what we did we just played football 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 constantly but um team wise i played played for my primary school went to all saints primary school in hindley played for the primary school loved it enjoyed it and it was only really when i went to high school that my um, pe teachers started pointing out that you know you should be playing for someone which was a bit flattering really at my high school because they weren't uh, i went to mornington high school in uh, in hindley it was all spit and sawdust and mm. uh, it was with being obviously well, in the, was all rugby over there. Yeah, no. Well, this is what I'm going to get to. It was, you know, with being in the Wigan Borough, it was it was so biased towards rugby. It's unbelievable. Um, but Mr. Turley, Mr. Fairclough, my PE teachers, I remember them well. You know, they said you should be going playing for someone, and I ended up. Um, is it not just you weren't big enough for rugby? Yeah, yeah, I just weren't big enough. Yeah, and I didn't, I didn't like getting hurt. That was <laughs> <laughs> that was part of the problem. I was a bit of a girl. Um, but um, no, they said to me, you know, you should go and find yourself a team. And I think it was my dad that saw in like the 
Lee Journal or whatever it was at the time, a team called Atherton Valley. And at the time, it was managed by an ex-Bolton Wanderers player, Brian Smith. Um, mm-hmm. So went down training, just hit it off instantly and, you know, did really well. Was playing as a striker then. That was Again, it was because I didn't like getting hurt, stay out the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um but yeah, that, that that was my introduction to football, and I, you know, I was very lucky, really, that you know we we had a really good side and we did well. It was always the league was always between us and another team called Highfield Grange. You always had a good reputation at you know at junior level. They were from over Wigan Way, um, and then what helped with it as well as my my best mate Martin Irving. He he came to play for Atherton Valley with me, so yeah, it was great as kids, you know, and it's them. You know, you hear stories, don't you? At half-time, my dad and my granddad stood there and giving me a coffee at half-time that tasted a little bit sweeter and it was because it had a little drop of whiskey in it and mm-hmm. things like that. But, uh, but yeah, it was great. That, and, and that was my introduction to football, really. Um, I then ended up following my best mate, who's still my best mate now, Martin, across to Hindley Tigers, it was at the time, who were, they were, you know, a rival of Atherton Valley and went there, did well, Um and then yeah, that was the that was my introduction to it. Really, we just loved football, and it was just a case of it, we'd play all day, every day, if we could. Mm. And you know, I remember when I was a kid, and you know, growing pains and pulling muscles and stuff. But you'd still find a way of getting yourself out there, and you know, you'd be playing, you'd be limping on one leg, and you'd still be playing. And it's just not like that anymore, is it? No, God, no. So that was secondary school, and then you started playing. So that was Saturday mornings, was it then? Yeah, Sundays, they, Sundays, well. Sundays it was then. So my Saturdays were generally free. Um, and that led on to um, a guy um, was a, who my dad knew, a guy called Jimmy, was the, he was the manager at Daisy Hill at the time. And I was still in my last year at primary school. And Jimmy said to my dad, get him down training with us, get him down with the men, like, you know. And so I went down, it was like, wow. You know, it was from playing on park pitches to turning up at Daisy Hill. It was like, wow, look at this! You know, it, it, it all of a sudden it was like real football. Um, so I had, I probably had six to eight months with Daisy Hill, just training, playing in the under 18s But I was, I was playing a couple of years up because obviously I was still at school, um, and I was playing for the under 18s um, You know, I spent quite a lot of time. To be fair, you know, spent a bit of time on the bench and milling around, and but. It, it set me in such good stead football-wise that because I was a kid playing with men mm. and when it came to me actually coming of age a little bit, it, it just helped me massively. You know, I felt bigger and stronger. I felt like I had more spatial awareness. I, I, tactically, I felt better than all, all my, you know, all the lads that were the same sort of age as me and that was purely because I'd played with lads that were older than me. So it... it you know, it gave me a good footing really to so kick on. It brings you on physically quite quickly, but it brings you on um, with the banter, with the crack, with the stuff that goes on in the dressing room. Yeah. Uh, when you're a young lad, it's a bit a bit overpowering, I would imagine. Back yeah, then. it was, uh, yeah, a bit scary. Um, especially shower time at Daisy Hill as a, <laughs> as a, as a 16 year old lad. There was a big ginger lad there called Scott, and he, he was a big ginger lad. Um, and, uh, he had piercings in place that you wouldn't want to talk about mm. normally. Um, but, you know, I, I remember looking in the shower and catching a glimpse of it in Corrib. I'm thinking, Jesus Is Christ. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, yeah, it's, you, you know, it's it, it, like, like you said, the banter 
you, you, you don't get that sort of banter in, in a workplace or anywhere outside of football, really. It's, you know, and I'm sure whether it's amateur, semi-pro or pro football, the banter's the same. You, you know, you're with all the lads, you're enjoying yourself and it's kind of like what happens at football stays at football and, and, and that's just how it is and, you know... As as a young lad, there's no better place to be than a, you you know around a good dressing room that's full of banter with a manager that joins in and gives it and takes it as well, yeah. and you know Jimmy was certainly that at the time and yeah it was good it was. It, it I think was... That there's so many things you can take out of football and take into life that are, that are good things, but I think one of the lessons that you just mentioned briefly there was that you realise that that things stop after after a game, so you can argue with somebody, you can be called or call somebody all the names under the sun you can have a right physical battle with them and it finishes it's over it doesn't carry on and if you if you haven't done that um, people don't get that they sulk for ages don't no, they it's, my, yeah. my, my missus started coming to football years and years and years ago and she didn't get that she like, used to see, see somebody out like a month later on shopping in, in Bolton and say that, that's that lad who, who who called you a fat bastard or something you yeah. know? <laughs> and you're like oh did he I, I didn't bother me it was just in a game you know and, and and, it, and it's a real skill. Yeah, um, no, to, no, to it learn is. A life I, mean, lesson. I mean, you know, to get kicked up and down a pitch for ninety minutes and then shake the lad's hand after the game that's mm. kicked you up. It, it it does. It sets you in good stead and it 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 really levels your head a lot. And yeah. the flip side to that as well is is you know having football as an escape is mm. you you know the flip side to that and having football because. When you're playing football, you don't think about anything else, and you don't. You, you you know that's the truth of the matter. When you're playing, you leave all your troubles when you cross that white line, and you you've got that release for ninety minutes. And and as I said, you you don't get that with anything else. Yeah. It's um, I think um, you know we'll cover this in in some of the podcasts that I've got coming in in, in weeks and months to come. But that's the thing. There's such at this level of football, as I said, below league level, there are so many frustrations. And we'll, I'm sure we'll come to a few later in this podcast, but. There's so many frustrations and people say, well, why'd you do it then? But it is, it's that escapism, it's that passion of, of, of wanting to be involved and be around all the good bits and you forget about the bad bits again by next Saturday, don't you? Yeah. And you turn up again and it, and it is being around that camaraderie, that banter, the, 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 the group, you know, you're stronger as a group than you are as an individual. All that sort of stuff is, mm. is what makes you keep going back and forget about the frustrations. But there are plenty of frustrations, as I say, we'll be covering those in, in this podcast and many more. Yeah. So so yeah so you went on to yeah you, so you I started to be, be a decent yeah, footballer at that point in, yeah in, in, I played yeah. played for Daisy Hill played for Daisy Hill for a short while um a, a good few seasons enjoyed it there like I said as it happens my best mate that I played with that uh, Inley Tigers he came to Daisy Hill as well so like you said about having that dress when you've got people there with you that are your mates as well it, you know it it makes all the difference um and having that escape. And having your mates there with you, it's, it, you, you know, it's fantastic. So I was there. Um, I was lucky enough after that to get across to Lee RMI um, for a short while, um, where I spent a lot of time on the bench, to be fair, at Lee RMI, but probably learned more from sitting on benches than, than, than I would have if I'd have been playing. I know that might sound silly, but again, in at the time, Lee R and I were in the conference and I, I played a lot of reserve team football there. Um, but spending time on the bench at 18, 19 years old, watching conference level footballers, and and they were different level footballers than they are now. I guarantee you that. It, it, it's the, the standard now is very different to how it was then. Mm. And it just being able to be around it 
constantly day in day out and you know we were training three nights a week then so it was right. you know we were we, we were really hands-on with it and we would you know we did we did all right um but like i said I, I learned so much in that season and a half that i was there and i probably didn't play as much as i felt that i should but just to be around it was a massive learning curve and from from going from daisy hill where i was playing week in week out to going there and almost being a bit part but sometimes you've got to take that step back i guess haven't you to you know to take a step forward and mm. and to learn you know where you're at and what what you need to be around and yeah it was good i really enjoyed my time there and i met some good people there um phil starbuck was the first team manager at the time who you know starby had played under people like brian clough so you mm. know when when you're around people like that that have played for people like brian clough it's it, you you know at first you're a little bit chin on the floor and you gobsmacked yeah, with them. Horrible. Yeah, massively. And then a guy called Andy Nelson came in to run the reserves. Um, Andy was a great guy. Such a, such, such a great guy. Probably too good for football, to be mm. fair. You know, such a nice fella. No bad language. Didn't swear. Um, he was, you know, a church goer, Andy. Andy ended up going to West Isbury and Cholton um, mm. after he'd left RMI, and he's the one responsible for getting West Isbury and Cholton where they are now. No. Um, he was chairman, but he stepped down there now. But su such a fantastic guy. And, it, and, it, and it's crackers, really, because you learn so much from people like him, but you never tell them. Mm. And, you know, it's only when you bump into them, you shake their hand, you'll have a quick drink with them. But they never really get full appreciation for what, you know, for what they've done for you. Mm -hmm. Because for them, as you've said, it's just it's just a day in the life for them and they do it because they love football. Yeah. But the influences that they can have on young lads, I think, it, you know, it's a big thing. Yeah, and absolutely the people that this podcast is all about and finding and, and digging out those people and, and getting stories about, about other people and going to them and bringing them in and getting mm -hmm. them involved and hearing about why, why they do it and what makes it um, the passion and, and, and love of their... Um, the reason that we, you know, people are wishing the week away to get to the weekend for football. Yeah, there's so many people that, that do that. And, um, yeah, there's, there's, you could find so many clubs up and down the country that will have, I'll have that, that guy there, you know, mm. the version of that guy who's, who's done, who's done, every, who's done everything for the, for the club. And it's, uh, it's great. So, so we're moving on from, from there into, you sort of did a season and a half there were some good times yeah, there yeah yeah some good times there I bet there's still people that you were there with you're still in yeah yeah I mean, I mean we've, again there's nothing else that you do in life that no that you'll that, stay that, in that contact with for that long like. I mean like it, you know I bumped into an old friend of mine the other day Adam Lucas who's yeah Luke is playing at Stonecliff now me and Luke used to drive together do whatever we did you, you know wherever we went we used to because we lived in the same sort of area at the time so training we used to car share and whatnot and even that time in the car on the way to training and you know doing your little bitching about other lads on the way back and doing what you do you, you you never get that in any other walk of life but you know i'm still speaking with luke he's at stonecliff now um he's a lad that you know would love to you know eventually i'd love to get him playing football for me but uh time will tell where that's concerned but uh yeah some you know some great lads and, and what, what football does do as well is my missus always says to me, you'll go shopping and you, you can't go shopping without someone saying, oh, Jonesy, you all right? You know, and it, and that's just football. That's what it does. You know, it, you're networking without even knowing you're networking at football. And, you, you know, sometimes you don't give someone a second glance um, on a Saturday 
and then you'll walk around a supermarket or, you know, being being q or whatever it be, and someone will stop you and say, oh, your manager at Turton, we played against you last week, you know, and, uh, and it, you know, it's great, it's great, that's, football does that, and um, I think you're a long time without it as well, you know, when we retire, when we retire from playing, you know, eventually when we retire from managing or what, whatever we do, you're a long time without it, and I think it's probably going to be the case that you only ever miss it when it's gone, and you kind of take it for granted a little bit, and you know we sit, we you know we chew the fat now, speaking about people that have you know been inspirational to us that are good to clubs, but they're kind of gone when it all stops. They're kind of gone, and you'll not forget about people like that. You never forget them, but they're part of another world when you when you when you come away from it, and you know, ideally, it's not something that you. <laughs> To do really, but you know, you, uh, at some point you've got to pack it, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you then move on to joining committees and helping do stuff, and you know that's that's where people get sucked into it and uh, and, and can't get out of it. Once in you, you're never out in, in in football, I think, and people still chase that bug and want to be want to be involved in it. So, so we moved on from from Leo. Are you still? You had a few clubs after that. Yeah, yeah, got a couple of clubs. You know, all Northwest Counties semi-pro yeah. sort of standard. I spent yeah. quite a bit of time. Uh, we were at Coles for a short while with um, Ross McNair. Was there when yeah. when, when I was there? He was you know he's a good pal of mine, Tempest manager. Um, then I had a bit of, bit of a spell at Atherton LR. Um, short spell over at Darwin, and it, it it's funny at that level of football, you, you you do tend to flirt around a little bit, and it's you you know it's where it it because I spent so much time learning and sat on a bench at conference level, and you, then you feel like right, it's my time to play now, you yeah. know, and and you want to get the best out of your football, so you know I did did flirt around quite a few clubs in Northwest Counties, um, spent a bit of time at Trafford as well um, when I first left Lee RMI and that was only because Andy Nelson had some good contacts there and he said to me you know why don't you go to Trafford yeah. um, Abbey A was another one that I've been to but yeah you know wherever some good clubs on yeah, that yeah, list yeah yeah yeah, yeah you know yeah. And, and, and when you look back at it you look and you think oh it's North West but you know it's a good level of football you were mm. playing and you know, when you're playing twice a week, you're training two nights a week as well, you're spending a whole lot of time around your football mm. and it's only when you come to pack in playing do you appreciate what it takes to go into, yeah. you know, making sure them games go ahead and, mm. it, you know, just making sure everything falls into place just so, you, you know, so a young lad could go and kick a ball around yeah. for 90 minutes. Yeah. yeah. So, did how did, you, how did you get on as a player? Did you put any medals in the cupboard? Yeah. A couple of smaller medals. I mean, I probably shouldn't say this really, but when I when I was playing at Northwest Counties, there was a mate of mine who uh, ran a team called Hindley Celtic over in the um, Wigan and Liverpool League. I think it was at the time, and I went helping them out at the end of one season, and just, <laughs> we won uh, we won a cup final for them that I probably shouldn't have played in, but I got man of the match in the cup final oh, and scored. Um, but. Uh, but but yeah, so a couple People of medals. scrambling now yeah, to, yeah, to find yeah, that to, yeah, to the, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh so, uh, but yeah, I played in a couple of finals. Um, yeah, that's it really. I mean, nothing, nothing too exciting. But you know, we always played at a good level of football. Whereas, and this is what I don't think lads quite appreciate nowadays is it takes something special to win something. You know, it, it, even at a lower level of football, you know, there's only one winner. Mm. There's only one winner every season. And, you know, if if you're around that sort of, 
I mean, there's my days at Presswick Chase as well. I'll I'll touch on that in a minute. But you know, there's only one winner, and if you're involved in a team that's winning, it's massive. It's it's like a big big achievement. Um, towards the end of my football, as I, I took a bit of a step down, just to. You know, I got my daughter. Then I've got my eldest daughter, Macy. She was um, she was born, so I had to take a bit of a step back with football because it wasn't you know so much priority anymore. Yeah. So Aidy Moran at Presswick Chase, who you know Aidy's passed away now. Yeah. Um. But what a guy! Another guy that Aidy should have been managing at a ridiculously higher level than he was uh, when we were at Hayes. Um. He got me there. He took me there from Atherton LR. Um. The LR of old was, you know, we, we had a good side as well. You know, it wasn't yeah. it, it it wasn't like it's been over the last few years. I mean, the you know they're getting things in order now, but the LR of old, we we, we had some good sides there. Um, and for Aidy to get me to go and play in the Manchester Prem from the Northwest Counties was like a big thing. And I remember my dad saying, "Are you sure you want to take a step down in standard?" Do you know what? You I couldn't have been any more wrong. If anything, it was a step up. The lads that we had at that club playing at that level i mean we you know we're winning leagues year in year out and doing it at a counter if we were if we were two nil down at half time we still thought we'd win the game it that that was the mentality but when you've got lads like lee connell ex berry player um you know they were the sort of lads that were attracted to the club um and had some real good times at Presswick Chase, won gold line trophy with A's as well, which is uh, you know, the hospital cup as it is now. Yeah. Um but yeah, it, it I was speaking to Slats, a good a good mate of mine, Mark Slater, who he he played at A's, he was a fullback, he played with me at A's. He's now manager of Walshaw. So obviously as as you move on, you kinda of move on together. Yeah. You know, like so I'm managing now and Slats is managing now and another lad Upchi and Joffe who played with us, they were manager at Presswick Chase and yeah. so you you know, you kind of you, you do meet again and yeah. we we were talking, um me and Slats were talking and we said it I'd we didn't appreciate how good of a team we had when we were at yeah. Presswick Chase. We we would have beat most Evo stick level teams. We 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 were that good. Um, whenever we came across Northwest County's sides in the hospital court, we just brushed them to one side. It wasn't, mm. you, you, you know, we, we made light work of it. But again, it's just, at the time, you don't appreciate it. Can I just it, check, were you actually signed on for that cup? Yeah, yeah, I was signed on so for that one. Yeah. They can keep yeah. that, that trophy, <laughs> yeah, can they? Yeah, yeah. Um, but as I said, it's just, it's just about that appreciation. And, uh, you, you know, you don't quite appreciate... I, I didn't even give it much thought until me and... Mike started talking the other day and it was like, what a team we had. You know, not only a team, manager, you know, the backroom staff that was there, um, you know, the camera. I mean, Eddie used to say to us on a Saturday, if it's pissing down with rain, you do not tell your missus the game's off. Yeah. You get dropped off at the club and we're in the clubhouse all afternoon. Yeah. And, you know, I remember the ex-missus as she is now, it's probably Eddie's fault, actually. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, we spent many an afternoon in there, knee-deep in Magnus and, you know, absolutely tanked up, playing cards, still in our tracksuits. Always got your football bag with you because you couldn't tell the missus that the game was off. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I had some, had some great, great times there and, you know, that's what it's all about. He was, he, he was very good at that, Eddie, as, you know, getting that camaraderie and getting everyone together and making sure that no matter what, all the lads are together on a Saturday. And 
I, th- I think it was probably because he didn't like his wife much. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but... yeah, no, it's that it's that passion to pull people together. Passion for football is another is another great club. Hayes, great um, great club club legend there. It's anyone that I've ever met who's ever spoke about him only ever speaks in in the, the fondest and greatest of terms yeah. about him. So yeah, another great another great example of, of of passion passionate people operating at this this level of football. So, and then you sort of. Presumably, started to legs started to go. Yeah, well, I've got I've got a prolapse disc in my back now, right. so that um, that kind of started taking its toll when I was around there. Um, and at the time, I was living in Ratcliffe, and a mate of mine was the manager at Breakmate United, and he yeah. said, "Do you want to come and play a few games down here for me?" So it was it was one of them where, you, you know, your back's bad, and it's kind of like you can because it was a little bit low. It, I mean, at the time, it was the same league as Presswich Chase, but. Yeah. Because it was a drop-in standard, realistically. But Ixie said it, it was almost like pick and choose your games kind of thing, you know. So my back was going and it was... I'd play 90 minutes on a Saturday, but then getting out of bed on the Sunday was the problem. So I went there, played a couple of seasons at A's, um, at uh, Breakmeet United. Again, great group of lads, you know, met some people there that are lifetime friends now. I mean... Adzi Loro, one of my mates, he's he's the manager at Breakmeet United now. He's also my my daughter's godfather. So, yeah. and you know, I only met Adzi through football. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's um, yeah, it's it 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 just started getting a bit too much for me really with my back. And it's you know you you've got to put other things first when you're struggling to get up for work on a Monday morning because you've played football on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. It's it it starts going on a back burner. So. Mm-hmm. When I was there, I played a couple of seasons for Ixie, like in and out, just flirted with it as and when it suited, really. And then um, we, um, I moved on from there and it, I ended up managing the reserves at Brightmate. Right. So that that's... Your, uh, that was your first... That, that, that was my introduction. Into, yeah. into managing. Yeah, I kind of fell into it, really, by accident. It was uh, it was one of them jobs that I don't think many people wanted to do. It. So, sorry, we just had a, a little break there. So, yeah, you were saying you... you got the job that nobody wanted it sounded like yeah, it, uh, yeah, yeah, a Breakbeat United reserve team manager that was your yeah. first first journey into management yeah it was I was uh, still flirting with playing a bit as well at the time and it was one of them where I thought you know what I can pick myself when I fancy it yeah. <laughs> and then I can uh, drop myself when it suits but, put yourself uh, on penalties yeah put throw-ins. penalties throw-ins corners free kicks I, I yeah. took everything and uh, the only thing I didn't do was get the first round at the bar yeah. um, but um Things have never changed. Yeah, so yes, yeah, yeah. yeah, same old story. But um, yeah, so I kind of fell into it really, um, and I remember taking over the reserves in December time, um, and I think they were something like second from bottom in the league. And you know, I looked at it, and I thought they've got a good set of lads there, and I really don't. I couldn't get my head around why they were struggling because I'd not been around them on a Saturday. You know, I'd only ever seen them in training. And I don't, you know, Saturdays I was with the first team, so I'd never really seen. Anyway, I would, you know, the first week I went with them, um, you know, just and it was just a bit of momentum they needed and a bit of a foot up the backside, really. And we ended up finishing third or fourth in the league from right. being second from bottom at Christmas. So, you know, by the end of the year, I'm patting myself on the back, thinking I'm happy, all right at this, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know. So, I was. Um, yeah, I was, you know, I was quite pleased with it because it was, like I said, it was only just over half a season, um, but the turnaround was massive um, with the with with the lads, and then, you know, it's inevitable isn't it, when you're doing well in the reserves that first team are going to take lads off you, which it, it's what it is. But the reserve team football there, it was more about 
you know, just getting lads going and making sure they're enjoying themselves and working hard for each other. And I've I've said all along, if you can get a hard working team, you're two thirds of the way there. Um, and that's what I've done there. Like I said, we finished we've we've we finished third, fourth in the league, and everything was good. Um, and then they offered me the first team manager's job. Um, on the back of that, and initially I was like, yeah, give it me. You know, I'll jump at it and I'll do it. But then um, my brother had <laughs> my brother had had other ideas. I'd already been do started doing my coaching badges at this point anyway because my back was knackered. Um, I'd already done my level one and I was on with my level two, um, and my brother had other ideas for it. And my brother was like, look, um, we both played for LR together. Um, at the time, my brother was working for Wigan Athletic, and you know, he's younger than me, my brother. But I look up to him massively where football's concerned because what he doesn't know coaching wise isn't worth knowing. That that's the way I look at it. And my my brother said to me, um, "There's a job going at Atherton Alara as manager," and I said, "Well, I've already accepted the job at Brightmate United," and he was like, "Yeah, but you know, it's a step up." Now, for me at the time, it was a bit daunting that because I'd never managed before. My brother was coaching at a professional level, so he it, it didn't bother him. It didn't phase him at all. Yeah. Um, but he said to me, let's go for the job at Atherton. I said, we'll go as joint managers, he said, and just see what they say. So kind of did the dirty on Braymate a little bit, to be fair. I'm, I'm sure they won't uh, thank me for doing that, because we were all set, you know, we were all ready to go. Um, and we went for the interview at LR, and we kind of... I kind of just sat and listened to my brother talk for mm. <laughs> for an hour. Um, and that was that. We got the job and it was kind of like, oh, shit, what do I do now? Yeah. You know, <laughs> I managed two teams yeah. and they both play on a Saturday. How am I going to make this work? So, you know, it was awful, really, because I had to let a lot of people down at Braymate. Um to go and take that job at LR and Ross had, Ross McNair had been at LR the year before and Ross had said to me don't do it Jones he said it's it's a tough job you know it's a, it's a bit of a poison chalice on a bit of an hiding to nothing the club and this that and the other and you need a bit of money at that level and you know the club's got no money they're in a bit of a mess but I kind of had to find out for myself if that makes sense and we took that job and it was one of that season was probably the hardest season playing and managing I've ever been involved in in football. Yeah. But what a season. Yeah. And there's many a times in that season when me and my brother could have walked away from that job. At any point during the season, we could have walked away from the job with our heads held high, knowing that we'd done everything we can do for the club with next to no support from other people at the club. Yeah. But do you know what? We stuck it out. And we stuck it out for for the season, and we di we didn't get relegated. Which I know that's <laughs> I know that might not sound to, like an achievement to a lot of people, but if they appreciated and understood what we had to go through that year, it it was like it was almost like winning the league, not getting relegated. You know. Yeah. And you, and you did that? Did you do that with a small bunch of players or a big bunch of players to, to achieve? A very that? small bunch of yeah. players. Um, lads didn't want to play for the club. No. Is the top and bottom of it, and we found that out very quickly when we took over the club. We, you know, we we got in contact with all the old players because my brother had obviously been managing at a professional level, um, and I'd been at 
the opposite end of the scale at Brighton yeah. United. There was kind of no middle ground really, and what you what you find you'll always need in football is you always need a core of lads that will come follow you around, and we didn't have that, yeah. um, and we found that out the hard way really when you know we called a meeting with all the old players and. There's about 25 lads turned up at the meeting, so we thought, yeah, we'll be all right. You know, you can make a good squad out of 25 lads. And then when we got down to pre-season training, you know, their idea of being Northwest County standard and our idea was very, very different. And it it was just clear straight away why they'd struggled for so long. Um, So it was was tough. It was really tough to get lads in. to get lads to want to play for the club. And in the end, I don't. I, I think the biggest pat on our back in the end was that they didn't necessarily want to play for the club. They wanted to play for me and my brother mm. because, you know, you, at times you've almost got to be a salesman with these lads and, you you, you know, you've got to... You've got to tell them what they want to hear. Tell them they're going to be playing football at a good level, which they are. You're not telling lads any lies. You know, you, you, you're being honest and, and sincere with lads. But you, you need to make them realise that you know, you're going to be playing football at a good level and you're going to be enjoying it and you're going to do well. Now, that's all good and well until you start struggling mm-hmm. and, and, you know, you're playing on Bake Up on a Tuesday night away from home on a, you, you know, on a mud bath and, you know, you've got to get these lads motivated and these are lads as well. That they, they've got to finish work early and mm-hmm. potentially take pay drops to, you know, to get there and to do what they do and it's... With with no support, I mean, we didn't even get travelling expenses there and we were travelling up and down, you know, as far as Holker, you know, as far as Stoke. And we, we, weren't, we were promised, we were promised the money and the lads were promised the money, but it was never, you know, it, it, it never came it to fruition. No, it never materialised. And then, you know, when you've got lads coming to you saying, you know, Gaffer, I've, I've drove to the last three games away from home. Is any chance of any petrol money? And these are lads that are working part-time and they're at uni. You know, they've not got yeah. petrol to just throw away. Yeah. And, you know, so, you know, me and my brother both put our hands in our pockets a number of times just, just to make sure that the lads got through, really. Yeah. And like I said, that that season was probably the biggest season I've had so far. Yeah, so that, that season at LR... Um, was probably the biggest season as a manager, obviously, coaching-wise, that, I, you know, I learned more than... I, to be fair, I learned more than you could probably ever learn going into a team that's winning every week. Um, You know, when you're having to turn up to training on a Tuesday night and, you know, you've been beat for the last three Saturdays in a row, but you've still got to find a way of putting a session on that's going to keep lads interested. But I was just so, so lucky to have someone like my brother around me at that time that... It just it's all second nature to him, and mm. to you, you know, for some. I mean, I know he does it for a living, and it, you, you know, it's all good and well that it's it's his job, but you've still got to have. I mean, he like I said, he could very easily just rest it on his. He he don't have to go and manage on a Saturday, you know. But it, I was just so so lucky to have him around for that season, um, and yeah, just learned a massive amount off Adam, my brother. So these are things that you don't, you know, you do your coaching badges level ones, your twos, and um, and you wear for stuff. But that course gets taught in the same way to the same people at any level of football, doesn't it? It doesn't. You yeah. don't get taught yeah. all that stuff you learn. To no, no. Hell are there and some of the stuff that goes on, and you have to put up with, and you have to have to motivate lads who've been working all week or working, you know, shifts and working sort of real manual jobs. Yeah, through, yeah. Like I say, some of the students. So you've got a real mix of people. Mm. You don't get taught any of that. If you you go and do your coaching badge, you do the same course as 
Pep Guardiola and Jose Mourinho have done, yeah, don't you? Yeah. And UEFA, yeah, UEFA yeah. stuff. And, and and that grounding you get, learning that, learning on the job, is... Um, yeah, it's massive. I mean, go, going back to the coaching badges, I remember, I remember when I did my level one. And I remember turning up at a high school in Bolton, first day. It was a winter's day and I turned up and I walked in, I had... A, I think I had my LR tracksuit. No, it wasn't my LR tracksuit. It was well before then. Maybe my break mid tracksuit, whatever. So, I've, you know, I'm going, I'm geared up. I'm ready for ready for learning, thinking, yeah, it's all about football, this. It's, you know, this is my bag. And I remember walking in and sitting down at the back of the classroom and recognising a couple of faces. And there's a little old woman sat at back of the classroom. Yeah. And I genuinely thought to myself, I wonder if she's, like, making the bruise or whatever. And no word of a lie, she must have been... 55, 60 years old. Um, and she sat at the side of me and... Little old woman? A little That's old woman. 55, 60. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> My mum won't be probably, too happy with that. Probably seemed, <laughs> it, seemed, yeah. it, seemed it then. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, no, I was young then, wasn't I? Yeah, so you thought um, she was there to yeah. make the bruise. So, so I thought she was there, you know, maybe to make not the bruise help out. No, not, not sexist in no. any way, shape or form. <laughs> but I, I, I genuinely didn't know what she was there for. It was... Um, it was and I remember... You know, we start learning and he starts talking and writing stuff on the board like they do. And this woman gets her pack out with everybody else. And I'm thinking, well, what's she? And I, you know, I just speak to her and she said, yeah. She said, I'm a leader in the Girl Guide. She said, and I just want to do my level one because I want to do it. Yeah. And I think, do you know what? Fair play, fair yeah. play. And, and it's those sort of people that, you, you know, you're in football and you think it's all about football. And and it is all about football, but what I'm saying is, there's it's so diverse, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And she, you know, she was there because she wanted to go and teach the girl guides football. She wasn't there because she wanted to be involved in football. She was there because she wanted to teach the girl guides a basic level of football. Yeah. And I'm sure you've got the same with cub leaders and you know, I don't, I don't know, you know, the cadets, whatever. And they'll all have to do the same course that we did. Mm. Nothing quite prepares you for what we do on a daily basis now. But what I'm trying to get at is it's not just about the football on a Saturday, is it? It's about the people that are in it to want to teach others and yeah. the commitment that they give to it. Because, you know, I mean, you're level one. They all say your level ones are given. And granted, you, you've you got to do something very wrong to, to fail it. But she still gives six weeks of her time up, yeah. you know, to, to, to go and do that. And then she's still going to pass on what she's learned to the young girls that she's, you, you know, teaching at Guides. And you, you just can't fault it at all. No, it's great. Um, again, I keep repeating myself, but it's, it's that level of commitment at this, you know, unpaid, volunteer... You know, she wasn't going off to get to get to earn any money uh, from coaching football. Um, so it's, it's it's fantastic to see. So you saw that season out at LR, did you? And then, yeah. And then what happened at that? I saw that point? season out at LR. We um, at the end of the season, I got approached by Phil Barnes, who was the chairman at Atherton Town. He obviously saw the struggles that we had at LR. Yeah. You know, they literally just up the road from them. Um, and he approached me. I went and sat down with him, and you, you know, he said. Come to Ellerton Town. Come to Ellerton Town. We've got a ju- and and that was one of the big problems at LR is there was no junior section if you like at the time. There was nothing feeding the first team. No reserves. It was literally a first team. So you know how do you keep twenty five lads happy when you've only got sixteen spots on a Saturday? It was just a constant battle. It was like everything was hard work. There was no there was nothing that nothing at all that made the job easy for us. Mm. Even the pitch was horrendous at the time, you know, and it, it, it was just it seemed like everything was against us. Um 
Now, at the time, my brother had been offered a job at Preston North End, so he just said to me, he said, look, he said, you know, I'm going to take this job at Preston. He said, you know, it's too too good money to turn down, which, you know, nobody can fault Adam for doing that. No. And, uh, you, you know, he's he was further on in his coaching career than I was at the time. And like I said, it's what he does for a living. So he... He went to Preston North End. So then I had a decision to make, really. Did I want to carry on at LR on my own? Um, so I kind of thought to myself, maybe a step down in level, but being on my own was, you know, was the way to go forward with it, really. So I moved across to Atherton Town. Um, did two, three seasons? Three seasons at Atherton Town. Um First year that I went there, they, they'd been relegated from the Manchester Prem to the Manchester First. First season I went there, took a core of lads with me because by then you've created a bit of a, you know, relationship with lads and you know that the lads you want around and, you know, you have in football as managers, you, you don't have favourites and, and, and people that say that they have favourites, they don't, nobody has favourites. What they do have is a group of lads that are good, honest, and th that will never let them down. Mm. And those lads, they're like gold dust. Mm. Honest to God, they are like gold dust. And I I took a, a group of those lads to Atherton Town with me. And in our first season there, we missed out on the playoffs. Uh, well, we got to the playoff final mm. um, and got beat by uh, Bolton County in the playoff final, which was... It, it was just the most horrendous thing I've, <laughs> I've ever done because when all your season goes into 190 minutes and then you concede a goal on 81 minutes and, mm. and, and get beat 1-0, it was, it was just like the world's come crashing down on you. Um, so we, um, that was that. I, I literally then, after that game, I was like, I'm done with this. And mm. honestly, that's how it felt. It, it drained you know, your emotions. Yeah, 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 it did. And I remember, I remember leaving leaving Bolton County's ground and driving past Leverhulme Park, and my dad had rung me, and I just pulled up onto Leverhulme Park to speak to my dad on the phone, and I, I just had nothing to say. Mm. And and I know it sounds silly that, but I just had nothing to say. I didn't want to speak to anyone about football. I didn't want to hear about football I, ju I just wanted to get home to, to you know to the missus and the kids at the time and 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 just be with them I, I, I didn't want to be involved in football at that time but Phil Phil Barnes the chairman was away in America for for that playoff final um so obviously I didn't speak to him until he got back and then he got back and he was like you're gonna carry on aren't you you're gonna carry on so I did the second season there. Second season wasn't quite... It was a bit of a flop, really, because what we realised... What or what lads started to realise is that, you know, they're good enough to go and play at a higher level. Mm. Um, I think if we'd have got promoted, we'd have held on to those lads and we'd have yeah. probably kicked on. Mm. Um, but you start losing one or two. And we still had a good enough side to do well, but I think we finished fourth or fifth that season or whatever, around that sort of position. But it kind of... I don't know, the second season kind of, it drifted into like irrelevance really after that first season and getting beat in the manner yeah, we got beat. It was a hangover beat. season really. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it, it was a massive hangover season and in the first season we were going out and we were, we were absolutely wiping the floor with teams week in, week out and then, you know, to have to go through a playoff to, you, you, you know, and then losing 1-0 on a tight little pitch at Bolton. I mean, you've seen what it's like up there. It's a tight little pitch. Great facility, but it's a tight little pitch. And, you know, we had to play the game there because they'd finished one above us in the league. Right. So it was just it was just a drain. And to be honest, in the second season, 
you know, it 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 was it was a, yeah, it was a hangover. It was a hangover from the first year, but you know, we were all geared up and we you know, we had enough about us to do well, but the amount of times I said to lads in that second season, look, you you're taking too much for granted that you're going to go and beat teams and lads just expected it to be a walk in the park and I knew it wouldn't be. But there's only so much you can tell lads, isn't there? And then yeah. their mentality, and that's one of the frustrations, you know, their mentality and how they approach games, how they prepare for games. There's only so much as a manager you can do um, for that. And, you know, a lot of it's got to be down to them. And what you find in football is, the, you know, the lads who approach games properly and prepare properly, you know, they eat well, they train well, they do everything right. They're the ones that will do well. It's You know, it's no secret. It's no... It's no yeah, surprise. It, it is the mentality that, that makes the difference, I think, isn't it? At this level, you you could list loads of lads. I could list loads of lads who, who you know have got the ability to be professional footballers. You know they could have gone and played, some of them at a really good level. Yeah. Um, and it is about that. that it's not quite got the mentality or the, they made some bad decisions at some point yeah. going out when no, they shouldn't have done things like that and they missed that up, those little opportunities along the way. But there's some there's some great players that and, that, and that's, I guess, one of the frustrations. If you think back to when you... We were speaking earlier on about when you played and you played under managers and stuff. Did you have that mentality? Or did you, were you? No, I, I was. I literally lived for Tuesday night and Saturday. You know, mm. I, I, I trained how I played, and and the, <laughs> that for me is badly. the biggie. Yeah, 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 very badly. Yeah, couldn't kick it straight, but I worked hard. As and, and, and you know, I, I'm the, I, I was the, I'm the first one to admit that you know. I don't think I was the best footballer in the world. You know, I had managers that blew smoke up my backside. I had managers that told me I wasn't good enough. I, you know, I've had managers give me the whole spectrum of, you know. But the one thing that I all that I always wanted to do is, if you played against me, you knew that you'd played against me. Whether that was because I was vocal, because I was physical, because I worked harder than you, and the one thing that I did is I worked hard with my football and that's probably how I've ended up with a bad back. But, <laughs> but and th that for me is the biggest frustration nowadays is that there isn't enough people like that. Now, I, you know, I know that lads, lads work and lads have commitments. and But one of my biggest bugbears is, you know, when you move on to coaching, you put so much into it and all you're asking lads to do, and you don't appreciate this when you're a player, but all you're asking lads to do is to turn up to training and do two hours training a week and then give you 90 minutes of hard work on a Saturday. Mm. And it can get so frustrating when that doesn't happen. Well, the amount of prep you put in. When I used to have um, I had Neil Hart, who used to be manager of Tottenham's first team. Great lad, good pal of mine. First team coach at Chester now. Um, but he was, he, you know, used to, this is what used to drive him. The amount of conversation I used to have with him when he was mm. so frustrated that he'd put all the prep in all week. Friday night spent, you know, sketching out, yeah, you know, dead balls and corners yeah, and all that yeah. sort of stuff. And then, you know, the lad who was, I don't know, taking the corner. Yeah, it doesn't pull, turn Pulls up. out on Saturday <laughs> morning, you know, yeah, and it's... stuff like that. And, and, it, and those frustrations, I get them. I hear them over and over again with different different, different managers at this, at this level. Um, this level being step seven that we're talking about now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so you were, um, second season was a bit of a, yeah, it was a bit, bit of a hangover a, season. A bit of a hangover season, really. And, um, you know, the end of the season came and it was like, you know, do we still want to be here? You know, I'd had conversations with Phil and, 
And then obviously got in contact with yourself and, you know, we had a number of good chats. I know that you had quite a few people lined up uh, lined up for the job at the time. And, you know, I, I, I like to think that when we sat down, I, th- I, th- I think when me and you sat down and spoke, I think it was like, I, I don't know, it was weird. It was, it, it was refreshing more than anything because it was kind of like, well, do you know what? If I don't go on and manage certain, I'll probably stay in contact with Pete. Anyway, it, it, it was like... Well, you bought breakfast, which was always a good start. <laughs> so, um, but to to sit down with yourself and 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 with Yates, you know, your vice chairman, it was you know it was refreshing seeing like how involved you were. Really, um, I'm not saying Phil at Everton Town wasn't involved because he was, um, but it was refreshing really seeing like yours and Yates's passion not just for the game, but for the club, for the local community, for the junior section, for every single thing around Turton, you was involved in, in one, you know, one way or another. And for me, as as a manager, looking at that, I mean, I came and sat down with you the first time and it was like, in my head, I'm thinking, I'll just have a sit down with you if nothing comes of it, nothing comes of it. And, uh, you, you know, it is what it is. And then, I mean, I remember when we went, me, you and Yates, and I come away from there and I thought, do you know what, I I really fancy this now. And you'd, you'd not even sold it to me at all. You'd not sold it to me, but just the way you spoke and, like I said, how involved you were in absolutely everything with the club, it it was just dead refreshing for me. And that was, that, that was for me, why I wanted to come and, you know, be part of your football club and, you know, to come and to try and do well for you and for Yatesy. Because I think that, you know, what... What was what was clear to me was that your work rate, Yates's work rate in what you do in whatever's involved, it, it it matched what I wanted to do on field, and I think that's that's a massive thing that um, you know it's very easy, isn't it, for a chairman to turn up on a Saturday, watch a game of football, and then go and sit down and have a drink. But you know, how many chairmen will give you a ring? How many chairmen will give you a ring and say, don't worry about today, or, or you know, just have a chat with you, or, or, or how many chairmen would, would know you? And this sounds like a silly thing, this, but how many chairmen would know you to know not to ring you because they know how pissed off you are after a game of football, and, you know, they know to leave you till Monday, and then they'll send you a bit of a dick of a joke on Monday just to break the ice, and but stuff like that, it it's it's massively important, and... So obviously, you know, you you chose to go with me, and I, you know, I don't know what 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 it was you saw in me. I think you're the only one who take it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, so you you reached the pinnacle of your of your managerial career at that point when yeah. when, when I appointed you Tutton FC manager, um, Lancashire's oldest club, of course, first club in Lancashire, very historical club. All we have um, really is our history. Now going back to eighteen seventy one, so um, you know we'd from the when I got involved in the club and and and, and Yates he dragged me in and, and a couple of the guys that I know of Craig Allardyce and Neil Johnson they dragged me in and, and and our vision at that point was just to keep improving every year and we'd had some amazing people around the club and managed the club when I first got involved Craig Allardyce and Neil Johnson were managing um, and then um, Neil Hart came in with. Um, with Neil Johnson, and every season we we, we kept improving it. Um, we won a couple of promotions. Um, I'm not talking this podcast about the the season we got. We 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 won promotion. The league didn't let us up. Could do a full podcast on that one. <laughs> um, 
few, do- all, few all, dolls all, still hanging yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But anyway, so um, we just wanted to improve every season, and, and we'd done really, really well. Um, and it was the first time really I'd had to go out and and, and appoint uh, and find a manager and appoint a manager that we didn't know because I knew the guys before I got involved in the club. That's how I got involved, and then I knew Artie. So this was a sort of big step for me, big step for the club. Um, we'd had stability and promotions and done and done okay, really. Um, so it was it was we were bringing somebody that we didn't we didn't know into. So we had to be comfortable um, and spoke to a lot of people that I knew, sort of locally whose opinions I respected. We mentioned Ross McNair earlier on. Mm. Uh, he probably regrets that phone call. Yeah, <laughs> now after beat, beating his his Tempest team of the week, but you know he's 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 spoken um, in good terms about you. So we made the decision to go with it. And um, yeah, we've had a, an half decent couple couple of seasons, yeah, really. Last done, season, yeah, we've done all right, haven't yeah, we? Yeah. We've done all right. We can't grumble too much, really. But um, I'd, like yourself, I'm never happy. <laughs> um, you know, there's, there's some games when I come in the dressing room after the game, and first thing I always say to the lads, right, stop what you're doing, just give me two minutes to speak. And the amount of times the lads have said to me, fucking hell, gaffer, put a smile on your face, like you know. Mm. But the, you, you know, there's always room for improvement, and I think, but more than anything, like when I came and spoke to you and Yates, that's what I could see in you two that you just you just want to progress. Now that doesn't necessarily mean winning things every year. It could be that you strengthen the junior section. It could be that. I don't know. We find another way of bringing another income stream. Whatever it be, with the club, you you you're wanting to improve it all the time, and you know, I, I like to think that I've come in and kind of took the on-field worry off you a little bit. So there's other things that you can go and do, and you don't have to worry about what's going on. I know, you know, I'm constantly on the phone to you moaning, but uh, but you you know that's that's what you're there for, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's you you know it's. It, it's a great club, Turton, and to understand it, you've got to be a part of it. And once you are a part of it, I think you're always a part of it. I don't think, you know, it's one of them things that it's just like got me. Mm. And obviously doing what we did last season, um, you know, winning a couple of trophies always helps. But it's just, you know, they're a, they're a family, aren't they? The, the lads, the chairman, Yatesy, vice chairman, just everybody. And, you know, obviously it's so sad to, to lose Ernie. Um, quite sad, really. I only met Ernie twice um, before he, you know, before he sadly passed away. But I could, even speaking to Ernie a couple of times, you know, you could see you've all got the same drive, you've all got the same passion. And it's all to, you know, not necessarily to win games of football, but just to represent the club well, and that I think that's massively important for me as well. I think it was, you know, I'm very um, attached to the club and, and emotionally about the club, but um, Turton, with its history and with its historical importance to football, when you when you're the chairman, for me, um, I hold that I'm a custodian of of the club, yeah, and yeah. and it's very important. Um, I mean, I joke and I. I picture on Twitter a year or two ago that you know we've got we've got mugs in our collection in the clubhouse that are older than a lot of clubs <laughs> yeah. you know and we've got mugs from the Charles and Die wedding and things like that so it's really important that we that we we do that and we look after that and for you know I'm going to kid kid myself for a moment here that people may be listening to this that that aren't you know local to the Bolton football scene yeah, and, yeah. and so you know you mentioned people like Ernie there um 
Ernie was, was just the sort of people we were talking about right at the beginning of this podcast that are hugely important to the football club. Did 52 years with the football club. You just don't get, you know... Um, 52 years. People, it's, mad, it's madness. So, for me, he, I, I picked up his passion from the moment I got involved with Turton and people like Yatesy and, and, and they're, they're why I do what I do now to keep um, to keep pulling pulling the club along and, and, and looking after it whilst I'm the man in the chair. Um but yeah, it's 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 very enjoyable to be um to be part of stuff when things go well. And we did, again, for people who don't know, the club won both cups last season, including the the Lancashire Shield, which is the highest competition we can win, a uh, step seven um club in in Lancashire. So that was the first time we won that in hundred thirty two hundred thirty two years, hundred thundred thirty odd years, a long time anyway. No one remembers. Not even Ernie would have remembered the the last time we won it. So that was great, a great achievement. Um. To, to do that and to win the, the league the league cup as well. So, you know, we spoke before about sort of second season hangovers and stuff and, and, and this season, you know, you were very keen not to not to allow that to happen and yeah. Uh, and it's it's tough. So how do you how do you go about that as a manager trying to trying to It's tough, we just gotta stay on top of lads, you know, keep motivating. Um, you know, I brought a new coach into the club this season, a lad called Owen, Owen Johnson who's you know it, you you know me and you both sat down with Owen and he initially applied for the reserve team manager's job but you know young loads of fresh ideas and you know to make training interesting to keep lads ticking over and the, and the, and that's the key if lads are happy and lads are smiling then they'll work hard for you mm. um you know you you start upsetting lads and listen it's inevitable you're never going to be everybody's cup of tea and you you're never going to please everybody but if you can please most of them most of the time, then, you know, and they, they've all got smiles on their faces, then you, they, they'll work hard for you. And last season, what we did last season, that it was purely based on hard work. Hard work. I mean, you know, I had lads like Ali Dixon, um, you know, Lockie, absolutely running through Brickwood. I mean, all of them. I mean, I just mentioned them too because they was playing in the strikers' positions, but they were working hard defensively as well last season, which I think to both of them was... A bit of a new thing, especially Ali. Um, you know, it was a bit of a new thing, but to see him doing it and to see him enjoying doing it, and you know, and then reaping the rewards at the end of the season. It's like I said to you before. It's 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 no secret that a hardworking team will do well. They'll always yeah. do well. Um, I think it was Harry Redknapp that says, isn't it? If you just, if in doubt, just run around. Yeah, just you run. Know, just, yeah, just... and I I said that to them before one of the cup finals. I said, anyone nervous? And yeah, yeah, just run. Just run. You 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 won't feel your nerves when you're running, and and it's um you know we've as I said as I said earlier that there's only one winner, you know, and, and and to be that one winner you've you you've got to do something special in a season, and to win two trophies like we did last season, it's you know, and I think it's only in years to come you'll realise yeah it was you know it's pretty damn special that mm. to win. And, you know, I think we won the two trophies within the space of 10 days or two weeks. And, yeah. you know, both at the Lancashire headquarters at the LFA. And, you know, I think it's only in years to come you'll sit back and you'll think, wow, you know, we did we did something special there. And not, you know, I said to the lads a number of times last season when we were playing in cup competitions and especially the Lancashire Shield, I said, go and be a part of this club's history because there's not many people, the last time that that, Shield was won was 130 odd years ago. There's not many people that can be around and say, I played for Turton and we won the Shield. There just isn't many people. And I kept saying to them, be part of that. Make sure that 
th- that's what you are. You're part of us doing something good like that. And, you know, they bought into it and they've done well. And, I mean, this season we've still got a lot to play for. This season we've still got a semi-final um, of a cup to look forward to. We've still, you know, we can still push on in the league. But we, our job is to keep those lads motivated and keep them ticking over and keep doing what we need to do behind the scenes so that their 90 minutes on on Saturday is, you know, is as enjoyable as it can be. Okay, you've convinced me to give you another at least another month. Oh, brilliant! That's Cheers, it. Yeah, Pete. keep going. Let's see if we can do something. Pass me the pen. Um, <laughs> I just just going back to that cup final in the Shield is I just want to sort of mention um, why you do these sort of things and the things that keep you going and moving to another season, motivate you. The highlight um, for for me last season and winning stuff's great and putting trophies into the clubhouse and having medals at home and they're all they're all great memories. Um, but you know, I mentioned earlier about Ernie Charnock passing away and, and you know we made a bit of a fuss about that and we had pictures up of Ernie in the in the in the dressing room which is a lovely touch uh, at the cup final and Ernie's son Simon came along to the final and, and I spoke with him after the, the cup final and invited him into the dressing room um and he the, you know the guy had tears in his eyes he was mm. he was super emotional and he thanked me um don't know why he thanked me but he thanked me for um for us winning that trophy in the memory of his dad and that was as well as being hugely emotional, getting emotional out thinking back <laughs> yeah. to it, but it just sort of makes you think this is this is this is why we're doing this. This is yeah. the, this is what the passion's for, yeah, this is what yeah. the drive's for, this is where we we talk about improving, where we've just, you know, given somebody given somebody like a memory, um, that he'll, you know, it'll be a nice memory to help him think about yeah. think about his dad. Mm-hmm. And that was that was that was that was fantastic. So um you know, the the Turton story is is an ongoing story. Hopefully, fingers um, crossed. Well, you've just given me another month, so another month. So it's a rolling month contracts. Um, but yeah, we've 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 sort of set set targets last season. We've set targets this season. Um, if they ever get last season's hospital cup finished, we might try and win that. Yeah. This season, fingers but crossed. um, but again, it's just all about improving. So, as I say, the Turton story keeps keeps rolling. Okay, Craig. So we've we've sort of spoke about your footballing stuff and what you've you've done as a player, as a manager. Um, so just do some quick. We'll just finish off with some quick sort of stories or anecdotes or frustrations. What's so? If I asked you what your your biggest frustration is, is a we've spoke about lads letting you down and stuff. What are yeah. the other frustrations being a, operating at this level of football? Do you, do you know what? I don't want to say this because I don't want to come across like I'm just slating them because I'm not. I'm really not. And you, you know. In the main, in the main, they do a very good job, but referees is, and and it's not just referees. It's the lack of respect from referees, um, which is 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 the, is, it's an absolute bugbear of mine. Um, you know the biggest frustration for me where that's concerned is you know you, you, you put a lot of work in all week you. You know, you're washing kits, you're putting training sessions on, you're making sure you've got lads. You know, you're putting a full week's work into making sure you've got lads to go and play 90 minutes on a Saturday. It's all voluntary and, you know, we do it because we love it. And then a referee turns up on a Saturday, gets paid his 35, 40 quid to just be ignorant towards you and, you know, not give you a little bit of respect that you deserve. And, you know, I've got some very good friends, um that were referees, Kyle Lord, who, you know, he's, Kyle was uh, Manchester Central's manager when I was at 
um, uh, Atherton Town, great lad, stay in touch with him, you know, great lad, refereeing at a decent level, Northwest Counties, Chante, good mate of mine, refereeing Northwest Counties, Kat McAvoy, who's refereeing Women's Super League now, you, you know, all great people, great, great people that do a great, great job, but the, the, um, unfortunately there is some people out there that, I mean, for instance, you know, the other week, I've just asked to speak to a referee at half-time. I've not, I've not questioned his decision. I've I've literally just asked what he's seen in a polite manner as well, you know, because I've, I've been through my stage of screaming at referees and there's only one winner. You you know, it, it hits you in the pocket. That's the top and bottom of it. Um, and... But I, but at the same time, I understand why managers do it because it, it, it can get very frustrating. You put a lot of time and effort in to get spoken to or not even spoken to by some of these referees. I mean, for instance, I spoke to a referee the other week and at halftime I said, can I just have a chat with you? So he said, yeah, yeah, of course you can. So as I'm, as I'm walking with him, I just asked him. I just asked him a question, and it wasn't. It wasn't rude. It wasn't intrude. It was simply he'd given a decision that I couldn't see. So I, all I wanted him to do is just to tell me what he'd seen, and he just started talking over me. So, he, my response was, "Can can I just finish, please?" And I, you know, I said, "Please" to the gentleman as well. You know, I, I said to him, "Can I just finish?" And he just put his hand in my face and carried on walking. Mm. And I just think that 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 for me is probably the biggest frustration is that. Referees want respect. They deserve respect as well. You know, I'm I'm all for re respecting referees, but it's got to be a two way street, that hasn't it? And it's got to be, you know, re respect isn't something that's it's not just given. It's you you know it's earned and a simple thing that a referee can do before a game if he comes, he shakes your hand, he introduces himself to you. How long does that take him? You know, I mean, you the level at step seven where. Where where you're operating, where we're operating, you've got both ends of the spectrum. You've got referees on the way up, younger referees, and I would say by the way that we're lost. The game's lost without referees. We have we have to, yeah, you know, so not. Um, but you've got young referees coming up, and then you've got older referees on the way, sort yeah, of down yeah. as they're slowing down and etc. And and the difference is is absolute stark, isn't it? Yeah, you know, when you it, get some of those older, it's crazy, yeah. um, uh, experienced referees, then the difference is is is, is huge, and. It's a fine line between what you know. We we have to. You don't get experienced referees without them gaining experience yeah. and making mistakes. No, no, no. And, I, and and going through all that. But but I get it. I remember. I remember travelling up to to Barrow with with Art, his manager. Um, and I mentioned earlier on how, how um, thorough he was with his prep and stuff. And he, the referee gave a an awful decision in the, like the sixth minute or something. Give them a penalty. Uh, and as he was burst, bursting a blood vessel on the laugh <laughs> really on the top, and he shouted something to the referee like. We, we we work all week, we travel all the way up here to get that. Um and and he and he came over and, and sent him off and probably he was probably a little bit more aggressive than that in fair to Artie, those who know Artie. Um shout out to Artie, hopefully we're listening. Um but yeah, and so I get it, I get that frustration for managers. But you know, some of these referees are, are learning as well. But the bit they need to learn for me, which I agree with you on, is because we all accept that, we all get out of the journey yeah, that we're on. But, but, so so then treat people 
you know, with a little bit more humility and a bit, a bit of respect. And I admit mean, you'll make a mistake. Because yeah, if, I mean, if, if someone just said, oh, yeah, well, I saw it like this, but I probably didn't, you know, yeah, I, mean, not have been, and, I can only give it as I see it. Or, you'd respect no that answer mo- to that, really, yeah, have you? Yeah, you'd respect yeah. that more than a hand in your face and yeah. not, you know, not willing to speak to yeah. you. I've, I've no issue with that. I've no issues with referees making mistakes that cost teams games. Honestly, yeah. I haven't, because mm-hmm. if you can walk away from it and the referee can say, do you know what, I've dropped a bullet there, I know it's cost you three points, but at least they've had the decency to speak to you and say, yes. you know, maybe I made a mistake, I didn't see it. But there is some referees out there that, you know, I actually question why they want to do it. Well, I say it's, this to people quite often, I say, why would they want to just, they just get dog abuse for everybody? They don't seem to be enjoying it, they want to argue. Um, don't get wrong, I see others, others, referees who love it and the great lads and you have a chat with them after the, after the game it, it is at this level you see the full spectrum yeah. of refereeing and, and, and um, you don't see as many referees sort of getting assessed these days that that always seemed to put pressure on them more yeah. when there was assessors there and stuff so we don't seem to see that as much as much now but listen it's you know they're 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 the only and certainly at this level the only ones probably getting paid on the pitch yeah in a lot, in a lot, and, a lot and, of the games and, so. that's the, and that's the frustrating thing as well that they're the ones getting paid and they're getting paid by us yeah. the clubs that are yeah. you, you know the clubs that are hosting the games and you know and that's not why i want respect from that i i i just and and it's just a common thing in life isn't it that you treat people how you expect to be treated and mm. you know the, to to go and shake someone's hand before a game and i always make sure that when referees come to us at thomas and fold i always go and say hello shake their hand offer them a brew and some of the frosty receptions that i've had off some of these referees is just it it beggars belief really and you know i'm just offering them a brew it's not but it you know that's football. That's not thinking you're gonna spit in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, I mean that's football. That's step seven. And you, you know we wouldn't be where we are if we didn't make mistakes. And that goes for us as managers, the players, the you know the referees. It goes for everybody. If you you know we'd be playing Premier League, maybe not Premier League football because VAR would soon have us out, wouldn't it? But uh, you know it, it, we 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 all appreciate where we are. But what I would say is this: you, the, this respect campaign, it it has to work both ways and. Referees have got to speak to you like human beings as opposed to thinking they're, you know, above and beyond. Because in reality, we're the ones that probably put the work in. Mm. On, you know, we put more work into that game being on there on a Saturday than they do. But, you know, that's that's football and that's just one of the frustrations we have to live with, I guess. Absolutely agree. And as you, as you quite rightly point out, it could be worse. We could have VAR, which uh, is ruining, ruining um, football every week for everybody at the moment, isn't it? So um, another thing I just want to touch on with with guests that I get on here is the, the amount of commitment and time you have to put in, um, and disruption to to family life and home life and sacrificing those things is we all do that and we all everyone that I'll speak to on these podcasts, bar none, I, I don't think I'll ever get anybody on here who says they won't have had an argument or a bollocking <laughs> or or a, somebody will have moaned at them at home about why they why they do it or question yeah. what 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 it's all about what do you do it for. And I guess you're not different with that. No, absolutely not. Look, I've got three, you know, I'm very lucky. I've got three fantastic children. Mason, my eldest, is 16. Now, Owen, um, Owen, my son, he plays football himself. So that in itself is a challenge to, you know, because obviously I give up my time for what I do, but then he's got his football as well, as has, you know, Macy does things that she and she's got hobbies and then, um, Freya dances as well and gymnastics and she does a thing called acro which I still don't understand but uh, um, that's that but so it 
it's challenging because you you know whilst I'm giving up my time, that means that other people have got to give up their time for my you know like my other half to you know for the kids to she's got to be the one that takes Freya to Acro on a Saturday because I'll be out at football with Owen. Then I mean on a Saturday it's it, Saturday I I don't see you know unless it's Owen, I don't see my kids on a Saturday. I'm out. Eight o'clock some Saturday mornings, half seven, eight o'clock, and I'm back in at seven o'clock, half six, seven o'clock at night with a big dirty kit to wash. That takes all day Sunday. So you can imagine how that goes down. Every time I walk through the door, I get scowled at. But uh, that's, um, <clears throat> you know, that's, we, we we choose to do this, don't we? And and, and we, we've just got to be very, very grateful that the people, of, of having the people around us that help us do it, um, I mean, going, you know, going on to Owen. Owen, Owen appreciates how much time I put in <clears throat> to the football. Um, and, you know, I had Owen at the cup final last year, which was, for me, it was just a massive thing to turn around and have my boy there when we'd just won the Lancashire Shield. was just, it, it, I mean, you know yourself, I was in tears and it, it, it was mainly... Wasn't going to mention that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that was mainly because my lad was there. But more than anything, it's that it was a release that, because... You, you know, I think we only had one game to play after that in the league, which wasn't necessarily, you know, you know, too concerning. You know, we had nothing to play for league position wise, etc. But that 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 game to to go into that game and and to be successful and to come away with the shield and 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 that release at the end of it, that's that's a full season of hard work behind the scenes, doing what you do, picking teams, washing kits you know, putting training sessions on, everything you do. But it's not just your release, it's your family life as well. And you've given up all of that. And that's what that's what must be the tough thing for teams that aren't successful. And this is what I appreciated when I was at Atherton LR, for instance. You're giving all that up with no real end gain. Mm. Um, you know, and, the, and and there is no trophies and... You know, I mean, we walk in our clubhouse now. We've got nice, nice trophies sat on the cabinet there, and you know it's fantastic. And you, as I said, you look back in years to come, and you'll go, you know, fantastic what we did. But there is people out there that give the same time, maybe more than I give, um, and get nothing back. And we don't. And I think I guess that's the key, isn't it? We 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 don't do this for for necessarily for success. Of course, we all want to win. Um, we don't do it for success. We don't do it for any thanks. We don't do it for, you know, we, we don't do it to boast to our mates because sometimes it can be a bit of a hindrance, you know, when your mates are going out and you're not. But we do it because we love football and and because t to some people, football just matters more than anything, really. I think um, I think you're right, absolutely right. And I think it's for those little wins. Now that when I say little wins, I don't necessarily mean you know, three points on a Saturday or cup finals or semi-finals. It's just those little bits of improvement, those little nuggets, that last-minute goal that you might have got or seeing someone score that's not scored all season. or All those little things, people are chasing those all the time and they're, they're hugely rewarding for people. Uh, and that's why sort of real football matters, which yeah. is what the podcast is absolutely is all about. So, listen, I could chat all night with you. We, we do chat all night often. We do a lot of <laughs> chatting and, and, and chewing... Um, talk about football and stuff but really enjoyed it hope other people enjoy listening to us to waffle on a bit um, 
we'll probably get you on again at some point in the future, maybe with with a couple of other guests on as well. Yeah, another yeah, couple absolutely. of local teams that'd be good to have a bit of a bit of, a of banter. About, yeah, a bit of bit of banter and, and um, get some of the noisy neighbours on. Um, that'd be good. But for now, Craig, pleasure to have you on the podcast. Really enjoyed it. Hope you did. Hope yeah, you did too. massively. Thank you. So that's the end of the podcast. Hope you all enjoyed it. Um, sure there's lessons to be learned. It's the first one we've done. Looking forward to doing the second one. Hope there was people that made it to the end that are still listening to this. Um, if you did, look forward to seeing you on the next one. And even better, tell other people about it too. Thanks for listening, guys.